0: Welcome back to Boston Cage Podcast. On today's show, we have Gabe, the founder and CEO of Ringer. How you doing, Gabe? I'm amazing. How you doing, bro? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I guess uh, give people a little bit of who you are. Uh, I'm
1: just a goofball that uh, <laughs> wanted to have a good time. Figured out that I can't, uh, you know, early on. Uh, I worked on for other companies. I couldn't enjoy myself nearly as much as I could be in my own, uh, uh-huh. in my own thing. So I've always tried to figure out the, the strategy that affords me freedom. You know, uh-huh. so at first that was, uh, be really broke for a long time, and uh, learn to live on nothing.
0: And so yeah,
1: that's what you do.
0: Gotcha. So uh, if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? Oh boy.
1: Uh, uh creative uh, is kind of a big one that probably gets overused but I, I kind of notch that down to clever in the, in the creative space uh, I seem to always have these quiy little ideas um, so there's that uh, patient I would say is uh, focused I, I'm kind of uh, and Maybe schizophrenic. Is that one in there? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean. Sounds sounds, sounds balanced. Yeah, it's unbalanced. That's a good one, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, uh, you know, for me personally, I've always kind of had been both a left brain, right brain. And that's always been my battle is Mm -hmm. stay focused when I'm trying to be creative and and vice versa. And uh, the whole game has been figuring out what that balance is and how you set your life up in a way. Uh, that really mm, lets that shine mm-hmm. rather than lets that hinder, right? Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the reasons why I think you and I just clicked on the same page. We're both 50% analytical or 50% creative, which is it's kind yeah. of a hard combination. Either you're on one extreme or the other, but we're right down the middle. So. And it
2: can
1: be frustrating for people around us, too, because you know, yeah. one day we're one way, mm-hmm. and the next day we're like hyper-focused and don't mess with mm-hmm. me. You know what I mean? I, I can be the nicest guy in the world. On Monday, Mm. and on Tuesday, I could be like, "I don't like people, leave me alone," because I'm Mm. doing this. And you know, the next day it could be so.
0: It's funny that as creatives, we could we could use that as an excuse, but in the real world, they would call that bipolar.
1: (laughs) There's got to be a job for every
0: personality, (laughs) right? Yeah, to find ours. This is true. This is true. (laughs) So, define. I mean, what is your business? I mean, what is it that you actually do? Oh, you know,
1: we have have gone through a lot of stages, and I'll I'll say, uh, as far as Ringer and and the encapsulation of Ringer, what it is, what it was, you know, um, basically, we were a a front end design shop. Uh, We always tried to stay bleeding edge with what was going on in in terms of new types of design. Uh, We partnered with a lot of companies and, and. we would be their kind of creative branch with a technical twist and that we kind of knew how to do what we were trying to do. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and then we bring partners in to augment and stuff like that. But uh, you know, that grew. Um and over time it became half marketing because that, you know, that's what our clients relied on us for as well. So, you know, we always considered ourselves a um an outsourced digital department. Uh-huh. Right. Uh but you know, we had the freedom to work within businesses, make suggestions. And, you know, we saw a lot of businesses do a lot of successful things. Um, and uh, that, that was, was <laughs> web stuff. Make stuff pretty on the web, you know. Uh, and then what kind of took off in the last, let's call it five years, is really the front end. Uh, back-end has been established as all kinds of techniques and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But front-end has really seen a lot of revolutions, uh, single-page applications, uh, which basically make everything work more like an app than a website. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of demand for that. And that's kind of the direction I went
0: running. After. Gotcha. So you're, you're more on the front-end user development.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, what they call me in the real world. Um. Uh, is uh, a front-end UI dev. Uh, and so I, I've worked with, uh, I still work with companies, some of my clients at uh, McKesson, um, and I'm a contractor for uh, Cox right now. Um, but basically, um, I go in, and they have a huge usually it's like a combination of like 20 different applications that end up coming into one Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and there's no constant UX throughout it. There's no constant UI components to it. Mm -hmm. So um, I kind of get involved in build libraries. My specialty is building react UI component libraries Nice, Mm -hmm. and then uh, providing the company, the ability to test against those libraries. And it gives them, you know, say, say you go into a, a modern company now, but this is a bigger company. I mean, I've been to departments where there's thousands of, I, I am working for a company now where there's thousands of developers mm-hmm. uh, that are using shared components. And th- it doesn't take long before that becomes a huge mess. Mm-hmm. And right now what I'm focused on is uh, finding ways that, you know, in to build modular components that get digested
0: and used by the rest of the programming. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I mean, you, you, you always was a still our Frankenstein, right? I mean, it's just yeah. patching pieces together and making things work. So I mean, is that would you say that's like your core passion right now? Is more kind of making things work on the front end and, and, and designing them into applications, or?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, I like fixing problems. The last two big jobs that I took on mm-hmm. were, you know, you come in and, and they were like, we don't, we're not sure how to do this type of things, like one that i did is they they wanted to animate svgs to make different gauges and and different like level tank levels and stuff like that and uh they you know there's no you know there's stuff like high charts that has the one little goofy gauge and stuff like that but there's there's no components out there so i wrote a a series of components uh for that company which was different level gauges different 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 kind of instrumentology visualizations that they can plug into their app that gives the, the user instant reference to what's going on with that device right
2: now. Gotcha. Uh,
1: so really that comes down in a technical term of either using something like React Angular View, uh, creating uh, animated SVGs using you know, JS libraries, and then figuring out how to make a standardized component that
0: the rest of the team can then send data to mm-hmm. and it asynchronously really silly updates. Cool, cool. So, I mean, you definitely threw out a lot of jargon that some people are out of eye with you. Some people are like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. So, let's just take it back a little bit. Just, so, you, usually, you started your business, first generation was North Georgia. Is that correct?
1: Like, yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. I, the, the first time I got froggy and said, I'm not working for the man anymore, mm. um, uh, it was uh, <laughs> a week prior to 9-11. Wow. So you can imagine that that was not a, a very good launch. In fact, uh, you know, I, I started the business. Okay. I struggled with it for about three, four months. And you know, I was stupid and young. And I went crying back to my boss and he gave me a job back. Okay. So, you know, it took a while to grow some testes again to go out and do it again. Um, but then, you know, when I really did, I started out coming out of the security okay. industry. Keeping some of those clients and slowly move towards, you know. Initially, all I did was branding, um, mm-hmm. you know. And then uh, those clients started asking for, hey, can you do some web work? And I kind of scratched my head and I was like, oh, we some HTML. Let's <laughs> do it. Uh, and then that turned into, as you know, you know, doing a lot of. Uh, I, I was getting pretty good with PHP, so I could do it in databases. So I was writing a lot of little custom uh, content management systems and stuff like that. Um, and then we started growing the team and that was, yeah, that was up in, uh, Dawsonville and we were up there for about what, five, I want to call it five or six years, hmm. uh, before eventually we moved, uh, we moved everything down to be a little bit closer to the action really, uh, to a lot of my clients were down in Alpharetta Roswell um and they were having to drive up to dawsonville to have sit downs and us going back and forth and stuff And a while it just became like personal reasons also like i, I moved to roswell so all right guys who's coming with me <laughs> you know nice. so we moved it down to roswell and got a building down there and as you know you know we grew the grew the team
0: yeah Definitely, definitely. So I guess the next question is, is you always hear about the 20 years it takes for someone to become a success story and it always seems like it happened overnight. How long did it take you to get to where you are, to where you're comfortable and you're following your passions and following your dreams? Oh man, it
1: took me a good 10 years just to figure out what I was good at. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried all kinds of different things um, and uh, what I was good at, just, you know, I love the 3D stuff and I love... Mm-hmm using js and 3d and i love playing with things that what i consider are like next level Uh Uh, there's not always a market for that though um so what i had to do is either wait for the market to mature and hone my skills or um find something that would you know the market would tolerate and let me do and they'd pay me money
0: right Uh
2: so um, yeah, that's one of the yeah. side
0: effects, right? Side effects of being a left brain, right brain thinker. The one side always wants to think ahead, and the other side always wants to be in the moment, and it's it's a constant push and pull, man. Yeah,
1: and you know, I'm at heart. I think I'm. A, I know I've got the heart of an artist because I have all the downfalls too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh,
0: yeah, it's. Um, hmm. So what was one thing you would do differently if you oh, could do it all over again?
1: Oh, try to grow slower. And try to, you know, not be so hungry for next level. You know, the web was really blooming at that level and I had a group of peers that their companies were going from like five people to a hundred people
2: overnight. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so you kind of caught up in that kind of thinking, like we need to get bigger, get bigger. Mm. The other thing is, uh, you know, everybody at the time was like, push for bigger contracts, push for bigger contracts. Mm. And we did, man. We went from our average closed contract being around five to seven grand to in a matter of three years. Uh, I, I think, you know, our close rate went down, mm. but at the same time, we were closing twenty, forty $40,000 projects. Uh, without blinking, and for a small web shop, that's you know I think pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened in kind of the the big underlying thing is our our close our, our time to, from going to doing a pitch and uh, them actually signing off on the dotted line and us having to foster that sale and provide content to that sale and value to that sale to get that sale, mm-hmm. and that went from like usually around 15 days to six months. We're dealing, and you you know, the sales guys can get involved and say, "Oh, you get it done." No, man. We were dealing with departments that had to get funding, that then had to get this and that and the other, and it was just hard being a little guy trying to be a big guy, right? You know, you can go in with the right presentation. The website looked like we were huge. Our contracts looked like we had a lawyer on staff, and you know, we we did. I mean, we had. All the right setup, but at mm-hmm. the same time, we were always pushing for bigger, harder, more. And I really think if I had any advice to give anybody, like, especially right now in this marketplace, mm-hmm. is just, you know, oh God, in today's marketplace, who knows, but pre let's call it pre COVID marketplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing would be um, I don't want to say stay in your lane, mm-hmm. uh, but I will say, like, really focus and get paid for what you're really comfortable doing and find a way to learn new techniques and and stuff with not paid work you know what i'm saying don't go after i personally went after all the jobs that i thought were going to be a challenge and you know what they were they always took twice as long as i thought they were going to take, and they were twice as complicated and stuff like that. And It's always that way. Hmm. Um, So my biggest advice would be, like, really try to sell what you know you can deliver on your worst day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, And then also, when it comes time to grow, man, if you're hiring more than one key person every six months, Hmm. I think you need to pump the brakes, especially when you're going from four people to 16 people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know if you if you find yourself just that that would be my biggest regret looking back is I wish we would have been more focused on our core team mm-hmm. developing our core team you know and mm-hmm. figuring out giving time to let all the personalities come out and figure out mm-hmm. how to best use them mm-hmm. rather than you know having everything and just saying, oh, we got the right people, let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that was really, it ended up hurting us, you know, quite a bit.
0: Gotcha. So. Well, I mean, everything is a learning experience. So, coming to, I mean, do you come from an entrepreneurial background or, or all this you just kind of learned on your own? Is it like your dad, your uncle, your mom, any of them entrepreneurs? No, everything,
1: everything. Yeah, um, how do I put this? Like, coming out of high school uh, and whatnot, I worked for, uh, some interesting people, right? Uh, So I always kind of learned from them. They were hyper aggressive, knew how to make the sale. I was drawn to that kind of business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the first real business that I was a real big part of was uh, 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 a business that uh, sourced and sold obsolete computer components or uh, computer chips. So, Widely considered it was kind of a, what we'll call gray market, but it was, it was kind of like a high sales, high turnover, uh, kind of shop, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, high adrenaline. And that one, you know, it taught me really like how how to really get out there. There's money out there. There's plenty of money for anybody that wants to go out there and find it. You can walk down, you can go out to your, go to your closest Wendy's or mcdonald's walk in either direction you're going to find at least 20 businesses that will give you money to do something you just have to figure out like how do i force myself to go out there and get in front of those people how, how do i play that game and if you can figure out those kind of games and those kind of little routines that catch people's attention and um you know then 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 that's the first thing so learning the hustle was really the first uh, first thing, and then I got involved in a security uh, a security business, mm-hmm. and you know that I'll say the owners of that business probably in terms of business, like how business works and all that, they were my 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 business college. You know, I learned gotcha. in, for like four years, um, and while they were kind of like old school, you know, they're you know they're yeah. They were kind of old school. They were very successful, so I got to learn a lot of things like how to structure deals, how to structure contracts, how to how to position yourself to be the top of the milkshake. You know what I mean? Um, so, and and really the importance of branding, and that's where it really instilled in me the importance of you know this was like I said right after nine eleven. I got involved in that business and business went from like zero to I think 50 million in revenue in like less than a year Mm -hmm. it was just rapid growth so I saw all those things and then I kind of segued out and that's when I started my first business but yeah I would say learning from uh the people around you is probably absolutely key and taking a keen interest in not only what is my job but let me watch them do their job and try to learn something you know good or bad Hmm. Uh, I learned I learned a lot of like what not to do in both of those trust me.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So how do you juggle your work life with your family life?
1: Oh boy. I used to not do a good job. <laughs> and then I found myself in a in a hospital bed and I realized uh, it's time to do a better job. Uh, you know, and so I, I you know, I got three kids. I I I, I get involved in what they're doing. And in turn, they get involved in what I'm doing. So a lot of our time is just kind of commingling and stuff like that. Um, man, you know, it's just, that's kind of one of those things is like you look at successful people and to be honest, Chanel, man, I look at you, I look at your posts, I look at what you're doing with the boy and it's just like, man, uh, you know, that's, that's what I, that, that's as far as being a good dad, that's, that's the most important thing, Right. And I think that's the juggle is just keeping away, ter- being able to turn off how I make money and mm. turn on how do I love my kids, and uh, that, that that I believe is probably the number one. You know, having the right mindset and attitude.
0: Mm. That's key. Got it. Got it. So, what's your your morning habits, morning routines? You know, everybody that I usually speak to on this podcast, they usually have some kind of particular routine that they do every single morning. What's yours? uh man i get up i take the
1: kids to school cook them breakfast take the kids to school and then i come down to the basement in my office here and um you know initially i i have a bunch of morning meetings that i usually have uh-huh. to deal with you're probably like talking about before that but what i do is i mix stuff up like i come down here right away i get my initial 15 minutes of workout and then i built a little gym off to the side i go in and what i do is like i'm not I'm not, I'm not in a position to give anybody any kind of like exercise advice or anything. But what I do is, uh, when I get frustrated with what's going on on the screen, I take 10 minutes and I, I, you know, I I go do my thing for a little bit, Mm -hmm. work up a sweat, come back, sit down. All right. Now I'm cool. Turn on the fan, start working again. Um, so that's really kind of, that's my first part of the morning. Um, and then, you know, I still, I spend about two hours a day focused on learning.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: so, you know, usually around lunch while I'm eating or something, I'm watching a Udemy video about something I'm interested in, uh-huh. whether it's like a, a new React component, state management library, or <laughs> I love Joe podcasts. podcast. So, you know, for a while, I was really into, you know, anything... Recently, like, master, the master classes, have you seen those? hmm Yeah. It, it, like, you know, watching stuff like that really just allows me to exit this mind space and go into more of a learning mode. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, okay, I'm done with that. Good. Start working and, you know, focus. Hunker down, if you will, and try to obtain silence <laughs> for long enough to get something significant done.
0: Got it. Got it. Where do you see yourself in 20 years? Holy hell. <laughs> uh 20 years. Yeah, 20 years.
1: Oh man, if I'm not sitting on a beach somewhere, no I, you know, there's a little uh there's don't steal this from me. There's a there's a <laughs> there's a, there's there's like a, a large lake in the middle of Guatemala that actually has a, a wide channel that goes out to the gulf, right? Uh so uh I see myself on the northern edge of that lake mm-hmm. um sitting with a little canoe fishing Mm. And living the nomadic lifestyle
0: of the people of Guatemala. Got it, got it. Yeah, I remember you was looking at um sailing at one time too, weren't you? Dude, yeah, that's a dream.
1: That's a dream. But when you got, you know, when I had one kid, okay, mm. when he turns eighteen,
0: I'm gonna go sailing.
1: Mm. Uh, now that I've got three, it's like, oh god, when in twenty years I'm gonna be going to a
0: graduation or something, you know? Yeah. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sailing is definitely one of those things. I mean, I actually, um, to that point, I actually went ahead and bought a sailboat. I saw that you scooped it from me, bro. Nah, not that one. I got another. No, one. not that one. No, but I am jealous. When you can take me out? Uh, whenever. I mean, it's I'm still taking sailing courses and classes right now. But I took it out um, last week with the original owner and kind of just went sailing to kind of get the ropes of. You know, every boat is uniquely different to its to its owner. Yeah. So there's little nuances. But yeah, I mean like powerboats are cool, but sailboats are just it's a whole nother thing. It's a monster, man. I love it. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, whenever you want, man, it's it's there. So well, what are we doing doing this? Let's go. <laughs> That's what we should we should have we should have done this on the on the sailboat. That's what we should. Right, we're gonna go <laughs> on the wind. We could do a follow up on the boat. Yeah. Definitely do a follow up on the boat.
1: Oh um, man, that that is awesome. I love that idea, especially getting out there with the kids and just uh enjoying the day
0: so. yeah definitely definitely so as far as you, that's where you see yourself in 20 years do you potentially see your where you see your company in 20 years
2: oh um
1: dude i don't know i you know that all circles around the technology uh mm-hmm. and you know what's going on i don't know if i don't know if i'll bloom big again or just stay mm-hmm. small not. um you know uh I, I really just, it's hard because I don't, I don't stay in the past. I don't stay in the future. I, I really am focused on the here and now is mm-hmm. doing the, what I can do for this situation right now. Um, that's a good question. I should have done more studying. I see myself being prepared for this kind of thing more in the future.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, what tools do you use that you wouldn't be able to do what you do without? Oh man. Um,
1: JavaScript. <laughs> I mean, technically, a computer. Uh, without the computer, I'm utterly worthless. So that—that's pretty much my, you know, main tool. The fingers. I protect these puppies. These are my <laughs> money makers. Um, man. Uh, specifically, if you want to get into the specifics of it, man, uh, I'm a React guy. I, I've, I've chosen, you know, that course. So uh, React Redux. Um, uh, one of the big tools that Airbnb put out that Uh that I use is um, Storybook. Uh, Storybook allows me to develop components outside of the actual application. Uh And I can share that with the UX team and the rest of the design team and we Uh can get exactly how does this component work and then figure out like outside of that, how does it work inside of the application? Uh So it makes testing a lot easier. Jest is another tool that we do a lot of testing. Uh, with, um, but it makes all that kind of work easier, if you will. And it gives me a platform that I can share with the uplines and the other departments mm-hmm. and stuff like that to get approvals. That way I can deliver a, a, a chunk of code that I know works 100% to the application.
0: And they can use it All right, so for our listeners, you gotta understand, when I first met this guy, the only thing that he would ever talk about was joomla <laughs> <laughs> okay? So to hear him say everything but joomla is kind of like I, I want to check his temperature. I want to make sure he's feeling okay. Like you're gonna like this. You're <laughs> gonna
1: like this. I just finished up a, uh, a website for for a buddy of mine. He just called me out of the blue and said, "Hey, I need a favor." So so I, you know, shout out Brooklyn Creative.
2: What's up? Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, uh, just um, I just finished it and dude, I use WordPress. Where are we? I know <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. No, for for a regular website like the average business out there, man. I, I you know, I'm not going to say I ditched Joomla because me personally, the websites that I manage, mm-hmm. I prefer them in Joomla mm-hmm. because again, I've got you know 15 years experience in Joomla. I used to be a Joomla. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know what you call them: enthusiast, <laughs> Nazi. I don't know. Anyway. uh, uh I still prefer making my custom designs mm-hmm. and putting them in Joomla and the custom design is one thing and Joomla is a WordPress. If I've got a buddy that says, Hey, I need a website. I say, cool. There's this template foundry over here. Mm-hmm. Let's go look. Let's find something that's really close because most of the websites now are like all rich photography. Right. So yeah. Really, the template is just giving you your building blocks for how things move around. Where's the menu? Where's the bottom? And, you know, if you're 90% there, and, again, it's different. If somebody's paying me, then, of course, I'm going to try to do a custom job. But, again, if if I'm just doing quick work or I'm doing something, you know, to to, to put out there. And, also, if I know that the guy is going to be self-managing the site,
0: then, yeah, WordPress. Sorry. Sorry, Jumbo. Thing. i mean it, if it works it works right so
2: it happens people evolve,
1: <laughs> people evolve. now jimla's got jimla 4 mm. about to drop and um i don't know man dude i i since i've since i've gone more enterprise application mm-hmm. front-end stuff i very rarely even mess with the web so much anymore mm. um, the only time i do it is when like an old client is going to call me or mm-hmm. um, you know just just most of our focus is is enterprise level component
0: yeah i mean that's what everybody's climbing to be right i mean the whole app enterprise is is where everything is and the subscription model is where the money's at so
1: yeah you know but even with that there's so many good tools out there that unless you're truly a, an enterprise like if you're you know if you're an auto trader you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta bake your own pies. you can't mm-hmm. use stuff that's just out there so Uh, That's where people like me, you know, I'm just one of so many contractors that are there just to support the rest of the team.
0: Hmm. So what words of wisdom do you have for any up-and-coming entrepreneur or developer or web developer for that matter? Okay. Say to them.
1: Uh, Web developer. Know what companies are wanting to buy Hmm. right now. My biggest tip, and this is kind of a, a personal journey that I went through,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and I don't know, you know, I I just, this is what made sense to me, is I, I went on, um, you know, like Monster.com and LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I saw all the job postings, what were the commonalities, right? I literally went through there and copied stuff from the requirement, first over to Google, what does that mean, right? Mm-hmm. Then over to um uh youtube watch a couple videos about it and then once i got the vernacular right and i figured out what the correct vernacular is because even in job postings they don't usually do it then i'd take that and i would go back and i would search for people's resumes
2: huh.
1: on those that, that included that now if they're using the correct vernacular then they're likely going to use the correct vernacular throughout their resume huh. and i'd go through and pick through the resume and go these are the key technologies that somebody is legit is learning right now Huh. Also, make sure you know these guys have a job at a legit company, they're not just like you out there searching for money, huh. right? So, these are the key components that and then I just kept on for me, man. I just what clicked for me was first it was Angular and I ran after Angular for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of I pumped the brakes because all of a sudden, all of like the Fortune 500s were suddenly developing React departments, and I'm like, oh that means they're planning on using react more so i i I found that and then you know i I started keying content around it but you know you update your resume you update this kind of thing you update your website that includes that but then the here's the advice part dude is pay money to learn those concepts and any for the last four years two hours a day I'm watching on like Udemy. I'm buying courses that are usually like what thirteen, nineteen dollars. Yeah, I know it says two hundred, but if you wait thirty days, trust me, that'll be nineteen dollars. You'll get a coupon code mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And now they don't even bother advertising me the real
0: prices. But, mm-hmm. You know, it's just all discounted. Yeah,
1: right. So I find you know things that I'm interested in, and I watch those. Uh, and you know you go through you do the course you just constantly learn and there's there's no excuse I think right now the way the internet is all the information you ever need you, I mean I can take any normal JS programmer sit them down for six months and say okay here's the course outline here's the things you're gonna learn you know you're gonna be taking lots you know every, two hours a day minimum. You're going to be learning these concepts. You're going to be putting them into action. And, you know, the truth is you can, you can, you can tack on 50K to your, you know, salary at the end of the year by learning these things in six months. Mm-hmm. Easy. Because mm-hmm. the companies out there are paying for modern web development and understanding how and modern web development
2: works.
0: Yeah, I think you brought up some really solid, solid, solid points. I think the only thing is, let's step back a minute. And this is kind of like, because some of these viewers may understand you're talking about, some of them may not. Because, I mean, it's obviously a diverse, right? Sure. So what what is UX? Start with that.
1: <laughs> uh, user, UX is uh, user experience. It's mm-hmm. basically, you know, just kind of like a branding is. You take a simple idea of a logo and you stare at it long enough. You develop all these ideas that surround how a logo should be. Uh-huh. Oh, there's truth in all of those things ux is the same thing as like are you knowing who your user is and having tools that like am i shaking my desk off the yeah a
2: little bit
0: sorry <laughs> it's like coffee shakes man
2: oh man <laughs> um but
1: but knowing exactly uh who your user is uh-huh. uh developing a system to profile your user so when you're dealing with decision makers, you're not dealing... UX is kind of the art of taking the power of
0: how things should be away from the owners. So you so, covered UX. So I guess the next thing is, is what's React?
1: Okay, so React is a, a JavaScript library that basically um, uh, allows for you to create... Oh, man. I, I don't know if I should give the
0: technical version.
1: Or not. Just make it as
0: lame as possible.
1: Oh, man. It makes web experiences more interactive like an actual app in fact most or a lot of apps that you see out there are probably written in react and then you know modeled up to be mm-hmm. an application you know they have react native that's native components for uh native applications as well so, gotcha. it, so
0: it, it's a library so what's your thoughts on um no code base apps.
1: No code base apps
0: yeah. like Wix? Well, no, nah, I mean, Wix is more so like a web design platform, sure. but full integration of a mobile app that was designed on a platform that's essentially templates and GUIs. You put the pieces and the functionality together yeah. and then you submit to Apple. Yeah.
1: No, I've seen a lot of those. Uh, if they do what you're wanting them to do, uh-huh. if you have an idea that fits within their capabilities uh-huh. and you happen to have enough experience with that one thing, uh-huh. uh, then they can be great. The moment you get a requirement, they're, they're great for right now. Uh-huh. Eventually, you will likely have to refactor into something else uh-huh. or hope that the, 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 the foundry, if you will, or the people that created the app creator, mm-hmm. it, uh, keep expanding and whatnot. So there is definitely a place in the, in the market for that. Um, gotcha. there are a lot of people that, you know, they, they their app they want is I want to see all of the churches within a 10 mile radius of whatever something happens. I'm mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. You can do those kind of things all day long. Uh it, the higher you go up the scale with your app like the moment your app starts to become a brand name if you will mm-hmm. yep uh it's not likely i mean you know you start hiring on people that demand that your app have different kind of analytics in the background different kind of security in the background mm-hmm. or kind of OAuth off login you know so where you don't even have to log into the app and you know it's. It, it, it's and then it has to tie into different databases and data stores and stuff like that It just becomes very prohibitive because um, by the time you find somebody that can do all of those things, um,
2: yeah uh, it
1: just, it's you're paying as much to get somebody to develop it from scratch, right
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I look at it as more so for prototyping. If you have like a low level prototype that you want to get to market to test market at a cheap cost, test the market and then you you hire the developers once you raise the equity to to build it from scratch so you can own the code, right? So Right, right. And
1: find somebody that's good at doing, you know, that find a specialist mm-hmm. that knows you know, me, if me man, <laughs> there's thousands of people that can put together a WordPress site mm-hmm. a million times better than me. Right, it, that that's not my thing. That's never been my thing, and I have struggled so much putting this site together. Something I literally could have done, you know, just using regular HTML and doing things how yeah. I do
0: things hand Yeah,
1: yeah, I could have hand coded it in a day. And because I'm having to navigate WordPress and something I don't do every day, yeah, man, I couldn't charge for it. I wouldn't, you know, I'm making three dollars an hour, and there's just no way, sure. right? Uh-huh. So find somebody that is really good with the tool uh that that now i will say the advice for the business owners Mm -hmm. out there is this is on you uh if you go to any dev shop they need the money and they're going to say do you dev in this and they're going to say yeah 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 let's do this right Uh, that's just the honest truth so it's on the owner to know first what their true requirement
2: is Mm -hmm.
1: right they can't just say hey i need an app or a I need a site that does blah, 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 and not understand any of the technology that goes into it. Because it's just like kind of like buying a car. At the end of the day, you're buying it. Hmm. Better be sure you understand, one, what kind of maintenance costs you're going to have with it, what it's going to look like when it's outdated. You know, all these kind of things, right? Yep. Yep.
0: All right, so uh, I got a bonus question for you. And this is like one of my favorite bonus questions because it always kind of tells me like, you know, how people perceive themselves. But at the same time, it kind of defines who you are. Right. So if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why?
1: Superhero. Yeah. Uh, um...
0: And don't try to cheat and think about what what the kids, what the kids say.
2: Ah,
0: and um uh you, you remember the tick? Yeah. 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 He's still yeah. on he's on Amazon Prime right now. A whole new series. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think that that Yeah, just uh somebody that looks like a superhero, huge chin and um and um is pretty much ineffective as a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Tick is funny though. I don't
2: know, I don't know. No, I mean,
1: you know, my brain wants me to say flash. Mm. My brain wants me to say quick. It's all about speed. It's about speed Mm. of market. It's about speed of ideas. It's about speed of communication. Um, I want to say flash, but physically, I'm not flash. (laughs) So i got to think of a slow superhero that's like a turtle. Hmm. Ninja turtle. Ninja
0: turtle. Okay, no. oh. <laughs> if you could spend twenty four hours a day with anybody dead or alive, uninterrupted, who would it be, and why uh Elon Musk, yeah, Mr. Iron Man himself, huh?
1: yeah, you know, um I think that i just to find out if he's for real, you know, I've got this like yeah. he might be a cyborg, don't know. Uh or he might have like a million people like uh Gary V that is behind him producing Gary V. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be like Alion is
0: him. It you know what I mean? It it's yeah. like he, people can't keep up with that you know? No, they can't. Well, I mean I think everything he did to get to where he is. I mean, if people don't realize like his his dawn was essentially in a totally different market than what he's yeah. in right now. Yeah. Completely Different market. Yeah. Elon is definitely, like, I, I think to his, his his nickname, the Iron Man of today is definitely, he definitely represents Iron Man. I mean, that's who he is. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the next 10 years he ends up in the Iron Man suit for real, flying to space.
1: I just got to talk about it going to Mars. I just think it's a bad idea altogether. I mean, let's just sit him down and say, look, there's there's nothing there.
0: Total Recall, man. There's water. There's water in them hills. No,
1: no, no, Total Recall didn't end up well for anybody. They had oxygen at the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: don't want to leave somewhere I can breathe but go somewhere I
0: can't. This is true. This is true. All right. So to close things out, man. Um, what's your your most significant achievement today? Oh man. Uh, you know when I, when I think back
1: and get nostalgic about things i think there was a pinnacle moment at ringer where i remember thinking to myself this is everything that i've ever wanted mm. right now right and i think when we reached that pinnacle point where man you know the team was gelling we were all being very creative. We were all, you know, just fireworks were happening every day, right? Uh And um, I I think achieving that level of uh, personal satisfaction with my work, Uh where it felt like we were producing top level product. Uh, that was true recruit and then we were you know we were, we were taking cues man we were documenting stuff along the way mm. um, i think that 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 was my my peak moment that mm. you know if uh if i had it to do over again um i would have i would have figured out how to live there and not
2: mm.
1: i didn't recognize it for it being a true peak Mm-hmm. And by keeping on climbing a mountain that wasn't there, you know what I mean. That that really is is, mm-hmm. is you got to learn when things are good, how to maintain good, um,
2: and that that's that that's it. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice. So this is the part of the the show where I usually flip the script and pass you the microphone. And what questions you got for me?
1: Oh man, how do you do it, dude? You like you you got okay so. I've had all these great ideas and it's like, you just, you just got, I don't know, man. I sit back, everything you've ever talked about, everything you are like, I'm going to do this. 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 It's like, you done it. You know what I mean? Everything from, you know, I remember you first saying, I'm going to start writing books. I was like, all right, cool. And the first one took forever, forever. forever. Right. But uh, but once you figured out the combination, Mm -hmm. then it was like you just took off with it like a machine. And and I guess that's the biggest like, how do you keep your mind focused
0: that long to where you can force success rather than just hope for it? Yeah. So I think part of that goes into like what your morning routines is, is always learning. So for every single time I learn something new, the first question I ask myself is, I have to make a decision in that moment. Am I going to dedicate all my time to this new thing if it's completely against what I've been doing? Or is it partnered with what I'm doing? So to your books, for example, right? The books were more so I have all this information. How do I get the information out there? I was already marketing. I was already designing and developing and and doing business. So I needed to kind of figure out a way. So the books was an add-on. And then everything else I've done from that point on are add-ons. So like course development, this podcast, they're all essentially add-ons to take what I've learned to delegate, and educate other people and monetize them across the board. So anything you see me do moving forward, it's all, for me, it's all the big vision, right? It's all about some people could compartmentalize and think about, I'm just going to write books, but I'm like, well, books go hand in hand with education. Education goes hand in hand with reach. Reach goes hand in hand with marketing, put them all together. Sounds like course development strategy to me. Yeah. Build those phases out. So that's just kind of how I do it. I, every morning when I wake up, I have a vision of, okay, what's on my agenda today? I have my client stuff. Then I have my essay grant stuff. Yeah. And then I kind of split it in the middles. Like, okay. Who do I need to hire to execute my client stuff? Like, mm-hmm. like legitimately, like who can I hire to do this? Because my passion is I want to build my brand and to the point to where kind of like Gary V right. Gary V is at the point where he has a company that does all the work yeah. and he has a brand that somebody else does all the work. <laughs> He's the figure in the middle that, you know, you just have to be the pretty boy in the middle. Got to be the pretty boy in the middle. And that's not just necessarily where I want to be, but seeing Gary V seeing Tony Robbins, seeing all these different people over the past 10, 15 years, that's the formula. Sure. The formula is being consistent building great content and and not doing it all by yourself. And that's the biggest thing I had to learn is like, I can't do this all by myself. How can I outsource whatever I need to outsource or hire whoever I need to hire and stay on my path? So my path is I need to get all my content in front of as many people as humanly possible. And that's what I wake up to every single day. What content or what am I going to build and develop today that can get my books or get my courses or get the brand or get the podcast one step further?
2: Yeah.
1: I have another question for you because yeah, this is something that i have found mm-hmm. um and uh and, and i'd like to think to see what you think but mm. you know I, I feel bad for like a lot of people right they're they're, 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 they're just completely out of work or whatnot. but um it, it's very interesting that to me this whole slowdown and, and everything that's going on is It's kind of like a tree shook all the players out of the game. And I'm finding so many more opportunities just coming my way that are solid opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's kind of like it feels surreal. It feels like this isn't how it should work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's the fact that we've been, you know, nose to the grindstone honing our craft Mm -hmm. for so long. That by the time all the, the tree shake happens and all the, mo- the money just kind of has to be spent wisely, mm-hmm. it goes towards people that actually produce results. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time, you know, being depressed when everybody's supposed to be depressed because I, I'm kind of an introvert to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so to me, this feels like, wow, everybody else is on my page now. You know, Zoom meetings are awesome. Let's not get burst. That's just too close. I don't know. You know, but what do you think?
0: I mean, have you found how has it affected you? I mean, what, your cycle, your cycling routine It's weird because from a wealth standpoint and all the studyings and understanding of wealth management, I understand that this is the time to where wealth is created, right? So just understanding that principle, that opportunity. There's going to be more opportunities when things are worse than when things are good. When things are good, everybody is surfing and everybody's happy. But the market, for example, right? If you know how to short the market, you'll potentially become a millionaire overnight versus dealing with a bull market and you're waiting for money to climb. It's going to climb, but it's going to drop way faster and you could make way more money a lot faster that way. So it's the same thing. If the real estate market pops, the same damn thing. If you're sitting on $2 million, you can go buy as much real estate as you want because Mm -hmm. it's 100 times cheaper than it usually is. Yeah. So in our space and digital is the same thing. It's, it's like you're saying, you're shaking the trees, players are falling out, and there's not enough people That's they're looking at, oh my God, nobody's hiring anymore. But no, they are. But you yeah. just have to do a little bit more to get those jobs. Sure. And once you get those jobs, you just have to kind of execute the jobs. And the biggest thing for me is keeping people on scope of work. Because like to your point earlier, if you have a job that's going to be X amount and you're burning 300 hours on it and end up being $3 an hour... Well, that's not the way to wealth. You're you're working on an hourly basis. You have to have it set to where I'm, I know this is what my margins are. This is what I'm going to make. And how am I going to get this job done on time and keep the client satisfied and scale, step and repeat. So for me, I mean, honestly, knock on wood covert, I have not been affected. I mean, business has increased since covert has happened.
1: Right. And I think we're unique in in just our space. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does make sense. I mean, in a lot of ways, what we do is facilitate the non-action of people by, you know, if people can do it on the computer versus going going outside and doing yeah. stuff. You know, that's, that's what we've been doing. So it totally makes sense that, you know, the, the people that create the interface between the machine and the man, yep. we're, we're going to do well. But, it's, yeah, it's just really interesting. Different people you talk to, man. It's, um, And then the whole learn to code thing is just, you you know, it's like, look, I would not be good enough to do my job if I just started it two years ago. The only reason I'm good enough to do what I do now Mm -hmm. is because I started it 20 years ago and I haven't had to think about anything else since. Mm. So it's just, it's kind of, it's a little bit, you know, daunting thinking about other people, uh, especially while it feels like I'm getting job offers constantly
0: yeah i think it's a business model right it's a business model i mean like you're like one of your friends he owns a um a smoothie shop or a juice shop right and so it's kind of like for him it could be a gift and a curse right i mean as long as he keeps everything clean and he has everything set up then business is probably keep inclining Mm -hmm. but you know if it was more so like the the jumping playgrounds where you send 50 kids in It's kind of like now by default, they're not going to have access to anybody because nobody wants their kids to get infected. So that costs so much
1: to to maintain the business. Yeah, unprofitable. Those guys are going to, unfortunately, you know, it's just kind of one of those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think in the gym arena, I think there's a lot of opportunity for digital gyms now. I mean, every time I go on Facebook now, I see these digital TV mounts or these vertical screens that are essentially 30 inch screens turned sideways and they have software running on them, which is essentially like an Amazon fire stick. Yeah. And it's a subscription for $50,000 a month. So the gym membership oh, went up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you just spent $4,000 for a TV and you also spend fifty dollars a month for a gym membership that's online yeah. when a regular gym membership is 10, 20 bucks. Yeah. So the increase is opportunity knocked and somebody sees on the day. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's uh some of those things are comfortable to do. I try to do like an online yoga thing. Mm-hmm. And uh maybe it would help if I knew how to do yoga to begin with. Hmm. And these guys kind of felt like, mm-hmm.
0: like mm-hmm. it sounds like you were doing advanced hot yoga man.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. That's the first thing I could find.
1: The heaviest <laughs> advertiser got my business. So Nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know, it's a confusing world. I just I'm just trying to stay positive more than anything else. Mm. Uh you know. There's,
0: yeah. there's, there's, I, I think that that's, that's probably w- one of the biggest things is, is being able to wake up and to have the motivation and have the dedication to get things done to a day-to-day basis. Because to your point, I think society-wise, we're designed to be around people. And the screen contact is okay, but it's not the same as sitting down, having a beer or a coffee with somebody face-to-face.
1: Taking hand, giving them a hug. I mean, yeah. these are the things that, that fret me the most, honestly, is mm-hmm.
0: the fact that like I have to
1: think twice before going up to a buddy I hadn't seen in a while. Mm.
0: It's like oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah the elbow that new, the new elbow handshakes is interesting. <laughs> it's like that you don't have a fist bump number now you do elbow to elbow. I'm built for hugs. See this <laughs> this is about hugs. I <laughs> that's the grizzly man, the grizzly beer. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking the time out your schedule, man, to to come on the show. I think we're definitely a, a well knowledgeable episode and
1: you know, I definitely uh, I appreciate mean, it. I know it's probably a little off base and less rehearsed than, but you know, that's just how I roll. It's always how yeah. I
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's the goal of this this podcast. I don't want it to be scripted. I mean, the questions are kind of formulated in similar fashions, but I know every answer from everybody I interview is gonna be uniquely different, so yeah, yeah,
1: and uh, you, you played a little trick on me. You left out some of those. you sent me, hey, these are kind of you – know, yeah, know, here's the
2: Keep you on your toes. <laughs> i give you the price.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I love you, bro, and uh, take me sailing. Captain, I oh, love Captain.
0: I uh, will, I will, yeah. Just, um, just I mean, nothing else. You can come out and check out the boat maybe, like, next weekend if you're available, so.
1: Shoot. Well, I'm actually uh, – I'm heading to Seattle for a week tomorrow cool and uh so um doing some fine some fun stuff up there seeing family and all that so,
0: well, uh, so well we'll lock in the time man it's there so all right dude i uh, appreciate it man. thanks again all right thank you peace later all right Or drop me your thoughts via a call or a text at 762 233 BOSS. That's 762 233 2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a Boss and Cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook